so many of you, this is how your day goes. you got to be to work at 8 o'clock. So your whole idea is, I'm going to get there at 7.59 and 59 seconds. And it takes me 12 minutes to drive there. And it takes me 10 minutes to shower. 12 minutes to drive, 10 minutes to shower, that's 22 minutes. I get up at 25 minutes before I have to be there. I get in the shower, I get in the car, I get there barely on time. And God has been talking to you, why don't you get up 20 minutes earlier and pray? Your day would be so much better if you would start it off with prayer. And, you, and at night, when you're thinking that, you go, oh, that's good, God. You're right, that's good. i got to do that. In the morning, your flesh goes, say what? You're thinking about doing what? You want to get up when? Are you crazy? You can pray in the car on your way there. I'm telling the truth. Because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. But dear ones, the truth is, we've been talking about a call for revival. We will never see revival unless we increase the spirit of prayer. Because revival only comes on the wings of the spirit of prayer. When God's people pray, then revival comes. We've got to raise the level of prayer. What would happen in greater Hermiston if the church of the Lord Jesus Christ really took seriously this thing about praying? But here's the thing. We can have a concert and bring in a headliner music group to lead us in quote-unquote worship. Then we'll pack the house out. At that concert, announce, now next weekend, we're going to pray for revival. Join us, 20 people. I'm serious. 20 people. Because we don't really understand the power and authority of prayer. One church... In Argentina, when the, when the revival hit Argentina, in 1990, the city of Resistencia, a city of 400,000 people, had 5,100 born-again believers. A city of 400,000 people, 5,100. There were a number of churches, most of the churches numbered 50 people. At that time, in the nation of Argentina, 0.5% of Argentina was born again. Half of 1%, 0.5% were born again. But some people began praying. We're talking 29 years later. Statistics, I just got this last week. Got them on July 31st. Today, 10% of Argentina is born again. In the city of Resistencia, 100 
thousand believers in just that one city. Almighty God moved through prayer. One of the churches, this is what they painted on the wall. Now, I shared this Wednesday night. Those of you in the class Wednesday night, I shared it, I shared it from memory. I had it a little bit wrong. Okay? This is what it actually says. I, I, I double-checked myself before this morning. This is what it says. On, on the wall of one of their churches, no prayer, no results. Little prayer, little results. Much prayer, much results. Which one are you? Which one are you? See, God wants to work powerfully in your life. Now, look how Jesus said it. Okay, this is how a church recorded it. But look at how Jesus said it. Okay, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6. Everyone read with me, would you please? But you. Okay, we're going to start again. Everyone together. But you. When you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly, for your Father knows the things that you have need of before you ask Him. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. It will be open. Now that's Jesus' promise to us. But here in Luke, when Luke wrote this, in the Greek, it is, if you keep on asking, if you keep on seeking, if you keep on knocking. God wants to answer your prayers. But I am convinced with all my heart the reason we are seeing what's going on right now in this nation is because the church has become entertainment-centered, not prayer-centered. Yet Jesus said that my house shall be called a house of prayer. Recent survey of pastors across this nation. The average pastor in America spends less than 20 minutes in prayer a day. Now that's the problem. That's the problem. Great administrators, great communicators, but we're doing it in the power of the flesh. It's like Samson. He's lost his power and he's grinding the wheat. And the church has lost her power and so we're grinding the wheat and we're doing it all in the energy of the soul. But Almighty God wants the church not to be operating in the energy of the soul. He wants the church to be operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. But that comes by prayer. 
That comes by prayer. So what is the significance of prayer? How does that work? What makes prayer so important? I'm going to share with you just a handful of what Scripture says. Just a handful. There's more. I'm just sharing a handful with you. Through prayer we receive healing. Elders of the James, chapter 5, verse 14. If any of you sick, let them call for the elders of the church and let them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise them up. And if they've committed any sins, they shall be forgiven them. Amen. By prayer, healing. Anybody here need healing? Anybody? That was not rhetorical. Anybody here need healing? Hey, we know what we need to do this morning. Amen? How about this one? Through prayer, grace in our hour of need. Hebrews 4, 16. He said, come boldly to the throne of grace that you might find mercy in our hour of need. What do you need? Are you struggling with depression? Are you struggling with anxiety? Are you struggling with rejection, fear, worry? Are you struggling with conflict? Is there conflict in your home? Is there conflict in your marriage? Are you struggling with financial needs? What is your need? In your hour of need, God says, come on, come boldly, child. Come boldly to my throne. Ask largely that your joy may be full, Scripture says. Oh, you guys missed it. That was a great place to say a big amen right there. You guys missed it. I know you're, you're just focusing on the message. Okay, all right. Here we go. Here's the next one. Through prayer, we see bondages broken. Through prayer, we see bondages broken. When they told Jesus he was casting out demons by the Lord of the flies, Beelzebub, he said, wait a minute here. If I'm casting out demons by Beelzebub, who are you casting them out by? But on the other hand, if I'm casting out demons in the name of the kingdom of God, who are you casting them out by? He said, don't you understand? If I'm casting out demons by the name of the devil, he's dividing his house. And a divided house can't stand. You can only cast out demons if you bind the strong man. Then you can plunder his house. And what Jesus was saying is, we can bind the strong man and plunder his house. And then in Matthew chapter 17, well, let's go here first to Acts chapter 12, 1 to 19. This is an interesting story. Herod Antipas had arrested the Apostle James and the Apostle Peter. And after arresting James, he beheaded him. He had Peter in prison to behead him the next day. The church went to prayer. And while the church was in prayer, Almighty God sent an angel to Peter and let Peter out of prison. Now, there's a whole story around this I'm not going to go into. It's a very interesting story because Peter was sleeping. 
Peter wasn't in prison all worrying and wringing his hands. He's going, oh, almighty God, they just they put me in prison. He's going to be at me tomorrow. That wasn't Peter. Peter was asleep. That's an interesting thought. But anyway, Peter was let out of prison. Peter gets to the house where they're praying, knocks on the door. A girl answers the door, and she sees Peter. She doesn't believe it's really Peter. <laughs> but the church was in prayer. After the church being in prayer, they released the guy that was in prison. Right? I want to know how many of you, you have people that are in some kind of bondage. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a bondage of anger. Maybe it's a bondage of bitterness and resentment. But the enemy has them in prison. He's holding them in some sort of a spiritual prison. And I'm saying to you, it's by your prayer. You can release them out of that prison and watch Almighty God deliver them and set them free. Wow. Let's go to the next one. Through prayer, demonic forces are cast out. You ever met somebody that had a demon? There are four ways Satan oppresses people. First is through harassment. He just harasses them. He just drives you crazy with harassment. But his goal with harassment is suppressing he wants to harass you to the point that you are emotionally and spiritually suppressed. So you're just discouraged. You're feeling defeated. You're just sick and tired of life. Nothing's good. You're down all the time. Huh? Because... And he's not going to stop harassing just because he gets you down. He's going to continue the harassment to get you down so far, he wants to get you obsessed. So you're obsessed to the point that you're battling depression. You're battling anxiety. You're battling fear, worry, rejection. You're like the person that has six locks on their door. Obsessed. He will, there are people that when they get down, they go shopping. And he will get them so obsessed to where they will shop to the point that they actually put themselves in a bondage and prison of debt that they can never get out of. One man came to me one time and he said, Pastor, I don't know what I'm going to do. I said, what are you talking about? He said, my wife has eight credit cards. They're all maxed out. Oh, yeah, that's bondage. And she says, I, I can't stop myself. She was obsessed. Because, you see, that kind of obsession, that is where a demonic force has built a stronghold in your life. He is a demonic stronghold. He's controlling an area of your life. It may be sexually. It may be emotionally. It may be in fantasy. It, it, I mean, it can be in a number of areas. But he has oppressed you and suppressed you to the point you're now obsessed. And he has built a stronghold. And you need deliverance from that stronghold. 
That's not demon possession, that's obsession. Now, he wants to get to possession, but the only way he can get you to possession, a believer, a disciple of Jesus Christ, can't be demon-possessed. Because that's ownership. He has the title deed to your house. That's legion, right? But I want you to know the Lord Jesus Christ said, I want you to understand something. This kind only goes out by prayer and fasting. Through prayer, you can break down that stronghold. Through prayer, you can crush that stronghold. Through prayer, you can defeat and drive that demonic oppression out of your life. And you can walk in victory again, child of God. God does not want you to stay in that obsession. He wants you delivered and set free from that stronghold. Through prayer, cities are transformed. Through prayers, cities are transformed. Almighty God was going to have to bring judgment on the city of Jerusalem. And so in Ezekiel chapter 13, he went looking. He went looking for someone who would stand in the gap and make up the hedge. Ezekiel 13, 5. By Ezekiel 22, God said, I found no one, and so I brought judgment. I found no one, so I brought judgment. I want to ask you a question. If Almighty God is looking right now to our city, would He find Someone that would stand in the gap and make up the hedge. Someone that, that is saying, you know what, God, I, I'm, I'm not going to let my city go to hell. I, I'm not going to let my city of Boardman go to hell. I'm not going to let Irrigan go to hell. I'm not going to let Umatilla go to hell. I'm not going to let Hermiston or Stanfield or Echo go to hell. I live here. This is my city. And I'm saying to you, for Satan to destroy my city, he's got to get through me. And I am a child of the living God. That's what it, that's the, God's looking for that. When we, uh, in 1990, when Almighty God called us to leave a church we implanted in Lacey, and take a really broken work in Milwaukee, Oregon. Um, we, we found a house that we purchased in southeast Portland. On 62nd, just one house off of Reedway. Between Harold and Reedway on 60, 62nd Avenue. We hadn't been there very long. Until twice police chased criminals through our yard. Guns drawn. I mean, I'm telling my family, get on the floor. I built a fence around our house. <laughs> but Almighty God said, I want, I, 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 I want this neighborhood. And he had, he had called me years before through a series I don't have time to go into. In 1979, he taught me about praying for cities and prayer driving and prayer walking. 
And he said, I want, I want this area. And I began prayer walking the area. We were on 62nd. But at 72nd and Reedway, there was a park, a gorgeous park, huge native trees, pine trees, gorgeous park, had tennis courts, baseball, diamonds, tables, picnic tables, but you never saw anybody there. But if you walked through that park during the day, you'd find needles everywhere. It was a shooting gallery. One of my one of my prayer runs, God said, I want this park. I said, What do you mean, Lord? He says, I want this park. I want this park. And every time you run by this park, and every time you drive by this park, I want you to declare righteousness into this park. Just declare righteousness into this park. I said, Okay. So every day when I ran by there and I had to go by it twice in my run, I declared righteousness into that park. And several times a week I'd be driving by there. I'd declare righteousness into that park. This is not an exaggeration. A year and a half later, I began seeing families coming into there on Saturdays. And then on Sundays, I kept declaring righteousness into that park. They built an aquatic center there. By the time two years had gone by, that park was filled every week and there was no longer drug dealing going on in that park. It became a park of God's righteousness. See, you can do that. That didn't happen because it was me. That happened because I was just following a principle of God's Word. Prayer. So how can you establish prayer in your life so it's consistent in your life? How does that happen? Well, first you've got to set a specific time and location. Don't make it, I'll catch it when I can. No, no, no. You've got to become very purposeful, very intentional. Set a specific time, set a specific location. And be consistent. Be consistent. Yes, it takes discipline. Oh, don't you hate that word? But that's what a disciple is. The word disciple comes from the Greek word mathetes. It is from the Greek word mathetes that we get the English word mathematics. It simply means discipline. Have you ever tried to add large columns of numbers and not get them aligned correctly? Have you ever tried to do long division without getting it lined up right? Okay, how many know it doesn't work? If you're going to get math right, you've got to be very disciplined in the way you do it. Come on, right? It helps when you memorize your multiplication tables and your subtraction tables. Never mind, we won't go there. Set a specific time and location. Develop a prayer room and a prayer list. When you get that location picked out, make it, make it meaningful. Make it meaningful. One of our missionaries, Rosalind Yukich, on her website, a little R&R, go there. She's got a whole thing about developing a war room. It would be very helpful to you. Okay, but that's not enough. 
Jesus gave us a model to follow. Let me touch it real quickly. Jesus gave us a model to follow. Use the Lord's Prayer as a prayer model. Our Father, which art in heaven, approach God not as great almighty God out there upon the throne of all creation. Approach Him as your Father. In the, New, in the New Testament, it's the Holy Spirit. In Romans chapter 8, in Galatians chapter 4, it says that the Holy Spirit in us cries, Abba, Father. Abba is the Semitic for Daddy. Approach Him as a loving Father that wants to hear you. He wants to fellowship with you. Approach Him that way. Our Father, which art in heaven. So I'm going to approach you as my Father. Hallowed be thy name. I'm going to worship you and adore you. Father, you are so amazing. I just can't help but give you praise. Would you join me right now? Just lift your hands to him. Lord, we just can't help but give you praise. You are awesome God. Amazing God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you approach him as your daddy and then you spend time adoring Him and worshiping Him. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, Your will come into this situation. you got, you got struggle in your marriage. you got, you got a, a, a child that, that, that's, that's getting out of order. you got conflict on the job. You got conflict inside yourself? Father, your kingdom come. I am praying your authority come. Your authority come. I'm taking the authority of your name, Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm praying for this situation. Your will be done here. It's not your will that there be conflict in my marriage. It's not your will that this son or daughter be rebelling the way they're rebelling. It's not your will. God, it's not your will there be this kind of conflict. I am taking the authority of Jesus' name and I am saying, Father, step in and you take control. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, understand something. Where God's throne is, that's where His authority is. Where His authority is is where His will will be carried out. So what you have to be willing to do at that point is you have to be willing to surrender that situation not from your wants, your wishes, your desires, your passions, what you would like. you got to surrender that to God's will. That's when it's a really, really good time to get into the Word and find out what is God's will. According to His Word. And then pray His Word there. And watch God act when you pray His Word into that situation. It's amazing. Give us this day our daily bread. Deuteronomy 8.18 It says, 
we seek the Lord our God. He has given you the power to get wealth. God doesn't want you just getting by, barely getting by. He wants to, he wants to supply your need. That's why he says in the book of Philippians 4.19, that my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. But wait, 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 wait. If you're going to claim that promise, you've got to take it in its context. See, Paul could say that to the Philippians because the Philippians had followed the principles of God's word of finance. The first thing they were doing is they were bringing their tithe to the house of the Lord. The second thing they were doing is they were, they were, they were giving offerings to the missionary. He said, you've been the only church that has, that has followed me and supported me in this work. And because you have done that, my God will supply your needs according to His riches and glory. And I say to you, on absolute authority of God's Word, when you will set aside the first 10% of your income to God first, Almighty God has said to you, I'm going to do two things. I'm going to cut off the stealer that's stealing from you. I will cut that off. And the second thing I'm going to do is I'm going to open up the windows of heaven and I'm going to pour out more blessings than you can even hold in your life. That's God's promise. Give us this day our daily bread. God wants to be your supplier. He wants to be your resource. Not Bank of America. Not your employer. Not wild horse. Oh, come on. You and I both know how many people you've heard say, well, I need a little extra. I think I'm going to go out to wild horse and see if I can win it. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You really think they set that place up for you to get money? Come on. Almighty God says, I will give you the wealth, the power to get wealth. I will be your resource. I will be your supply. That's why I said in the book of Proverbs, he says, bring to me the first fruit. I'm going to make you abound in resource. I want to do that for you. Give us this day our daily bread. Then he says this, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. The next thing he wants in your prayer life is he wants you to be to live forgiving. He wants you to live forgiving so that you have already established in your life, in my DNA, in my heart, in my personal culture, I'm going to forgive everyone who offends me, no matter how big, no matter how small. God, I choose. I'm going to live my life forgiving. And then, Father, will you please forgive me of all the dumb stuff I do? Because I know. Dear ones, listen. I, I don't know if it's to my heart. It's for me. 
But I got to take a portion of every day and say, Father, search my heart. Search my heart. Where, where have I messed up today? Not just what I've done, what I haven't done that I should have done. Forgive me. Wash me today, Father. Cleanse my heart. I want to walk with a pure heart. Amen? I walk with a pure heart. And then, oh, I like this one. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Actually, in the Greek, it's deliver us from the evil one. Almighty God, today, would you surround me with your angels and would you guide my footsteps and would you guide them around the snares and the traps that the evil one would set for me? He promised that. Amen? He promised he would put our feet in secure places. He promised us that he would walk us, that the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. And when the enemy would roll a stone on you, it'll roll back on the enemy. When the enemy would set a snare for you, he'll get caught in it. When the enemy would dig a trap for you, he'll fall in it, not you. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. No tongue that rises up against you, it will be condemned, not you. Come on, amen. Come on, give God a praise. Come on. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So I humble myself acknowledging, God, I live in your kingdom. It's your kingdom, not mine. I'm not sitting on the throne of this life anymore. My life is in your kingdom. You're the king. You're the king of kings. I'm your joyful, yielded, willing servant. I'm not on the throne. You are. And I honor you and I give you praise. God, I, I just honor and I give you praise. I humble myself. I gladly serve you, Lord. And you just give him praise. You end your prayer time giving him praise. This is how you can pray. And dear ones, look, we just, let me, I'm going to look, I'm going to see how long we took here. That was a total of 12 minutes. We took 12 minutes. When's the last time you prayed for 12 straight minutes? See, and that was real quick. Think if you started putting in there, boy, suddenly you could pray 24 minutes. And then if you really put stuff in there, you could pray 45 minutes. Or maybe even wait with him one hour. But see, you could, you could take it from 12 minutes and you could make it as long. But that's how you can pray consistently and regularly. Using the model that Jesus gave. Here's what I don't recommend you do. Okay, Jesus, I'm going to pray to you today. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Amen. 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 And I'm wrapping up with this. What I like to do each day is I like to step. While I'm, while I'm in the shower, I put on the whole armor of God. I put on the belt of truth. I put on the breastplate of righteousness. I put on the shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace. I put on the helmet of salvation. I take up the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit. And with my mouth filled with prayer and praise, I go into my day. And once I put on the whole armor of God, and I said, Father, 
Father, bless me indeed. Enlarge my borders, Lord. May your hand be upon me to keep me from evil. Deliver me from the evil one, Lord. God, that I might not cause pain today. May my tongue not cause pain today. May my tongue bless and encourage and strengthen people today. The prayer. That's called the prayer of Jabez. That's, that's, that's in the shower. Now, I've already spent time with the Lord. But that's, that's how each day. See how you can make it a regular part of your day? Now, right now, our Connect team is coming. They're going to give to you a bookmarker that has the nine Hebrew words for worship and praise on it. They're going to, they're going to give it to you real quick. So you have a bookmarker. Why? So that when you start off with, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. These are nine ways that you can praise God while you're doing that. You can clap your hands to Him. You can, you can, Tehillah, you can sing in the Holy Spirit to Him. You can worship God. These are nine ways that you can worship Almighty.